Well, good morning. If I were here longer, I could, I could keep experimenting with microphones. Every day I'd have a new kind. This is better, I think, because those of you who were here last night know the other microphone kept slipping off my ear, which I always maintain that my ears were not made for that kind of microphone, or that kind of microphone was not made for my ears. <laughs> I was always waiting for another version to come out, so maybe this is it. I feel a little bit like, oh, don't move your head too much. Uh, and I also feel a little bit like a rock star. So, <laughs> so welcome. I am I'm truly happy to be here. Um, I think this is a wonderful organization, and I think that uh, when I came back from India in 1974, uh, very much one of the early people having experimented with these techniques of meditation and bringing them back. Um, I was teaching at Google headquarters not too long ago in California, and the person introducing me introduced me as an OG, and I said, what's that? And he said, original gangster. <laughs> so I said, okay, that's what I am. Um, you know, but to see like what it was like then, uh, in terms of how people viewed meditation and how many people came and what kinds of people came to study to what it is now and, and to how really supportive organizations in so many places that I was looking at the schedule of events from True North this morning and I just saw like so many retreats and wonderful teachers and that wasn't even the classes or the programs that uh, one can take without having to leave home and go off to a retreat. So I, I think it's a really uh, great thing, and I'm delighted to be here in support of the, the organization. I think it's a great name, too, True North. Um, you'll have to remind me what it is in French. Okay. The Northern Way. Okay. So what I felt, because we have the luxury of this day together, uh, I, what I felt was to emphasize practices that have to do with mindfulness in the morning and then practices that are really about loving kindness and compassion in the afternoon and do sitting practice and walking practice with each. Now it's not that they're so strictly divided in a way, uh, because I think whatever technique we're doing, as I talked about last night, I think we're, we're needing to cultivate and generate a greater degree of loving kindness and compassion. Even if our practice is something like trying to rest our attention on the feeling of the breath. Because there will be countless moments when we discover we've been distracted. We've been lost. We've just gotten confused. We've fallen asleep. We've gotten swept up in a train of thought. And the best, best way to actually be able to begin again is from a growing sense of self-compassion. So even if that word is never used, it's right there. In, it's like the secret ingredient in the technique. And just so when we're doing practices that are particularly around the deepening of loving-kindness. It's considered odd in some ways to think about training loving-kindness or training compassion 
it sounds so cold, doesn't it? And mechanistic in a way, but really we believe compassion can be trained because it is based on how we're paying attention. And we know attention can be trained. Think about all those times you encounter somebody and you really do look right through them rather than at them. That somehow they are more like an object to you than a person who also wants to be happy. Or maybe it's sheer distraction. You're thinking about the email and you need to compose it and recompose it. And here's this person telling you their story and you're not there, you're not listening. Or maybe you have a preconception about them and you're holding some idea about them, some assumption. And so we feel disconnected. Whereas if we had more of an open mind, <coughs> we actually listened, maybe we'd feel more connected. And so that's why we say compassion can be trained because attention can be trained. And the more open and fluid and inclusive our attention is, the more that kind of loving kindness or compassion will come as an emergent property. So everything's connected in some way. And still, there are ways of dedicating a practice session or a practice period just in terms of style or method or technique to really emphasize a particular quality. And so that's why I say we'll spend the morning really emphasizing mindfulness and the afternoon really emphasizing loving kindness or compassion. Okay, so uh, mindfulness, what a word. Um, as, I, as I said last night, <clears throat> one of the threads that runs throughout any kind of practice is the power of concentration. Most of us experience ourselves as at least somewhat scattered, moment-to-moment -moment level, it means we, we can't quite settle on experience. Our attention just flies all over the place. On a larger level in our lives, it tends to mean we feel kind of fragmented. We don't quite feel we know who we are. It's the way we can have so much role identification, feeling compartmentalized, the way people say, I feel like I'm one person at work and a different person at home. Or my, uh, still, my favorite example of this is I was teaching in New York City once and someone raised her hand and she said, I feel filled with loving kindness for all beings everywhere, as long as I'm alone. <laughs> and one side with others is really rough. And everybody laughed, because we knew just what she meant. Or it might be the other way around. We feel fine when we're with others and very ill at ease being alone. So our lives feel very cut apart and separated. And what we do in the process of concentration is we gather. We gather all of that wild energy, that attention that's going all over the place. We gather and we settle. 
So it has, it is said, two major effects. One is power. It's empowering, because that's a lot of energy that could be available to us, but is not, because it's flying all over the place. And a kind of healing or wholeness, because it's the integration of our being. All those disparate parts, all those separate parts. It's like coming together. We have a sense of feeling at home in ourselves. That's the foundation of concentration. I was teaching once somewhere in the States, and it was an experience like this. It was a non-residential, in that case it was a weekend. And we came to Saturday morning just before lunch, and somebody came up to me and said, how much money would it take for me to offer you for you to promise not to use the word concentration again for the rest of the weekend. (laughs) And I said, let's talk. (laughs) So concentration is the standard translation for that kind of gathering of all that energy, right? I would imagine for him the word concentration meant something kind of terrible. Like you squeeze your attention down on an object and you resent and reject, try to reject everything else that comes your way. And you get really uptight, very judgmental. And you know, there's so much pressure, like you gotta concentrate. Whereas classically it means steadying, stabilizing. Centering, settling. As I said last night, a big component of that is rest. Rest your attention on whatever that object is. So I said to him, how would it be for you if every time I use the word concentration, because that's just the standard word, I'm so used to saying it. How would it be for you if every time I use the word concentration, you changed it in your mind to steadying, stabilizing, centering. And he said, I can do that. And I said, you just saved yourself a lot of money. (laughs) Because that's actually what it means. And so we might have all of these ideas about struggle and um, rejection and, you know, judgment, but it's actually not how the process works. As we stabilize our attention, very commonly as we began last night, we choose an object of awareness, we settle our attention on it, and the 90 billion times, maybe trillion times, that our attention wanders, we practice letting go, we practice coming back. From the basis of some greater stability, we open our awareness into the... the, um, experience of mindfulness in a broader way, looking at emotions and sensations and sounds and all kinds of things. So we'll start just with that kind of concentration exercise, okay? Now I sat down on one of those chairs, just to know for myself. Uh, They're not that comfortable. Um, I'm not going to make you sit for like three hours without moving, which would be cruel. Um, but 
we will have you know many periods of actually practicing and and the idea really in terms of your body is to be as comfortable as possible right if you need to stretch before we start it's totally fine So sit as comfortably as you can, see if your back can be straight without being strained or overarched. Sometimes people will imagine, say, a wall just behind their back. And starting from your lowest vertebrae, just one by one, raise your back up against the wall and relax. What we're looking for is a state of balance. That's what we're looking for throughout the meditation. Starting with your posture. You want some energy in your body, but not too much, right? Because then you'd be really uptight. You also want to be relaxed, at ease. But not so relaxed that your waist slumped over as though you could not care less. So you feel your way into what seems like a balanced posture for you. And close your eyes or not, however you feel most at ease. We can start just by listening to sound, whether it's the sound of my voice or other sounds. It's a way of relaxing deep inside, allowing our experience to come and go. And of course we like certain sounds and we don't like others. But we don't have to chase after them to hold on or push away. Just let the sound wash through you.
and bring your attention to the feeling of your body sitting, whatever sensations you discover. your attention to your hands and see if you can make the shift from the more conceptual level, like oh fingers, to the world of direct sensation, picking up pulsing, throbbing, pressure, whatever it might be. You don't have to name these things, but feel them. And bring your attention to the feeling of your breath. In this system, it's just the normal, natural breath. You don't have to try to make it deeper or different. See if there's a place where you feel the breath most strongly. Maybe the nostrils or the chest or the abdomen. If you find that place, you can bring your attention there and just rest. See if you can feel one breath. without concern for what's already gone by, without leaning forward for even the very next breath. Just this one. And if sounds or images or sensations or emotions should come up, but they're not very strong, if you can stay connected to the feeling of the breath, just let them flow on by. You're breathing. They can come and go. It doesn't matter. It's just one breath.
But if something really comes up strongly, you get lost in thought, spun out in fantasy, or you fall asleep, don't worry about it. We say the most important moment of the whole process is the moment after you've been gone. The moment where we have the chance to be really different. So instead of judging yourself or blaming yourself, we practice letting go, we practice beginning again. Just shepherd your attention back to the feeling of the breath. If you have to let go and begin again like a billion times in the next few minutes, it's okay.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.